Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Green Pass Gaming's Coffee Morning Sunday podcast, where we're just going to sit down, hope you've got your teas and coffees ready, and we're just going to have a nice an hour-long chat um, about the week. Hope you're all doing well and just having a bit of a relaxing morning before we carry on with the rest of our day. So um, us, you know us all by now, but for anyone who may be new joining in, uh, we've, uh, I've got to introduce people, I guess. So yeah, I'm Pups, as you probably saw in the bottom left corner of my little window, and with me today is Scott and Luke. How are you both doing, guys? All right? Yeah, good. Thank you very much, very well, Thanks. Good. Uh, and fortunately, Flap can't be with us today because he is busy with all sorts of other things that he's got going on in his life. So um, we're just going to sit here today and enjoy some gaming chat. And we've got a good couple of things that came up, actually, just as we couldn't make our Thursday show. A lot of uh, a few little bombshells dropped, which was uh, <laughs> a bit unfortunate yeah, well, timing on it was our a right. It was a bit of a bastard, that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like it was. literally like... <laughs> 20 minutes after we thought, look, it's a little quiet this week. Let's leave it till Sunday. And then, yeah, the the E3 one in particular just obviously blew up a little bit, didn't it? So Yeah, it's mad. I mean, I suppose we can jump straight into E3, I guess. E3 being cancelled for 2022, hoping to reemerge once again like a phoenix in 2023. And uh, I know when I saw this, I instantly saw a lot of tweets and stuff of people comparing this to, uh, was it the 2021 that was cancelled? Oh, it's was, been. This it? is. Um... There was one that was cancelled, and it came back. I think that's right. Twenty twenty was cancelled. It came back last year, and a lot of people were then saying, "Oh, it's cool. it was cancelled it... last year, wasn't it? Was it last year? Last year it was cancelled. I think twenty twenty. They they had. It wasn't cancelled because if I remember, it was twenty twenty when both Summer Games Fest from Jeff Keighley and E three were claiming shows as part of their. Like yeah. digital, oh, yeah, okay. digital thing, and then I yeah. think last year it was Thank it was cancelled. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, that's that's how that's how I remember. It. But I mean, even 2020 pucks, you could say it was cancelled because like there was yeah, no sure. official <laughs> digital event. There was no obviously in person event or, or anything. So yeah, yeah. yeah Stubbs has just said there that uh, E3 didn't happen in 2021. Um, Soren yeah. X is the last E3 was digital, so yeah, thank yeah, you I remember guys. the last one being a digital show. I just couldn't remember if it was last year, the one before, but um, I suppose it's one of those questions of how do we feel about it to start with? Because I know for me, it's I know a lot of people in the community for apparently a number of years, and I know we've, when we've spoken about this in prior shows as well. Uh, a lot of people saying they feel that E3 was kind of on the decline, it was slowly dying, maybe becoming outdated. Um, I every time I've tuned into it, I've always loved it. I think, as we've described again in other shows, it's it's like the Christmas of gamers, in effect. It's when we get all of the big juicy stuff. Yes, we've now started to kind of be trickle-fed things later in the year or in sporadic times throughout the year, whether it's earlier or later. But um, E3 always seems to be that one calendar point, I think, for all of us heavy gamers out there that just love to have to get caught up on what's new or to get updates on current things. So to see that it's been cancelled, it's like... Uh, it's a shame, really. Like, I was really looking forward to it, because I think the immediate question for me then becomes... So what replaces it? Does does something replace it? And I, as you said, Scott, um, you know things like Summer Games Fest and, mm. and things like that kind of try to tie things together. I know we had, I think, I think, I, I think I'm right saying 2020. There was the um, you know Xbox and PlayStation, Nintendo ended up kind of doing their own things, but it was all kind of off their own accord as well. So it was nothing. You didn't know where it was going to be within the same week, the next week. Was it two weeks? A month later, and it was all very sporadic, if I remember correctly. Mm. So um, I've always, I've personally always enjoyed these E3 events because it's just this, it's collated all into a nice kind of pocket of three to five days, whatever it is. But uh, I'd love to know what you yeah. guys think. What do you, I mean, yeah. are you disappointed with it? 
I, yeah, I, I, th- I think so. I mean, look, the ESA aren't the perfect uh, organization by, by any stretch. And I think a lot of people will say kind of the writing's been on the wall. You know, even before the pandemic, E3 was kind of on a downward slope where um, it was becoming less relevant for um, media um, and it was becoming less relevant for game developers and publishers, you know. Nintendo switched to their digital events. They still had a big presence on the actual show floor. Um, PlayStation pulled out entirely. Activision pulled out entirely. Um, And it became uh, a much smaller and less relevant event. And then COVID hit and kind of (laughs) basically wiped it out entirely, didn't it? So, But I think E3 itself has obviously got a lot of... um, on memories for for a lot of us, you know, whether it be the outrageous Konami 2010, I think, press conference, um, or whether it be, you know, moments like the so-called E3 of Dreams at PlayStation when they announced Final Fantasy VII Remake, Shemu, and uh, was it The Last Guardian or something, I think? Um, yeah. Luke, yeah, it's yeah, a reveal. Yeah, yeah reveal or, or big... You know, the announcement of Microsoft acquiring five studios, like it's it's given us a lot of like massive, massive um, moments. Um, and I think it's going to be a shame that, that that's gone away because Pux, you, you, you're absolutely right in, I think it was 2020 um, when it kind of went digital and like I say, it wasn't really an event. The mm. big complaint that everyone had is E3 season, what it was that year, essentially ran from May to September. Everything was spread out over the course of three or four months or something. Um and it just lost a little bit of its magic that way. Um, you know, E3, you've got, an, normally you've got a, a conference Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Those four days are ridiculous for announcements, for excitement. And that was kind of, that was kind of lost. So I think it's a, it's a bit of a shame. Um, I mean, this year would have been probably more like 2020 anyway. So I don't think we're losing out yeah. on much this year. Um, and obviously Jeff Keighley, has kind of come in and he's ate their lunch a little bit because he's adapted to the more digital nature of the world these days. And um, he's obviously um, come in and offered something a bit different that people seem to enjoy and that developers are bought bought into. So, Do you reckon um, he's potentially going to... Because I know a lot of us... I mean, a lot of us personally, when we spoke, when we spoke about the previous shows at the time, kind of, you know, we had our own kind of negative thoughts about the it seems to drag on and they kind of go on these kind of tangents before they get to the reveals and things like that. Do you reckon, I mean, I, I have no doubt that things like that are going to remain, but, uh, you know, does it bother us that much? Do we feel like this isn't really the format to having all of these kind of clips to streamers and all this kind of thing that maybe the most of the community maybe just don't care about? We just want to see announcements or, not to say it doesn't have its place there, but, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing, I guess? Rather than just announcements mm. to have, you know, other things dabbled in it as well. If I remember rightly, there's also like Instagram filters and things like that. They kept trying to publicize. Yeah, like, I don't care about this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the big issue we have with, uh, or my personal big issue that I've got with Summer Games Fest because Summer Games Fest is is two things. It's um, essentially a, a one night, two to three hour show hosted by Jeff Keighley. Um, and then essentially what then what Jeff then does is he then says, right, guys, if you're having an event around this time, um, let me say it's part of Summer Games Fest because <laughs> it's not a, it's not a physical event or a trade show or hosted anywhere like that. It's kind of just a collection of individual events that come under one banner. And like I say, in 2020, you had um, both Summer Games Fest and the ESA 
basically saying certain shows were both part of their digital events, which shows that neither that they weren't part of either event. They were their own event that were just being claimed by by kind of both parties. Mm. But um, I think so. Jeff Keighley obviously has Opening Night Live, Summer Games Fest, and the Game Awards. And I think all three of his shows suffer from ex- from the same problem, and that there's too much bullshit in them. The stuff that you mentioned there, Pox, the you know the Instagram stuff, um, the I guess in a lot of senses the awards. <laughs> I know that feels bad for the awards, but like even they um, uh, during the game awards, the awards do seem secondary to to everything else. Um, and yeah, there's like celebrity bits in there that I just don't think people care about. And what that means is you've got a show that's two, three hours long. That maybe could be an hour if you just focused on what people really care about. But um, while I don't necessarily like it, I think there's got to be an appreciation and understanding that these need to be part of the show for it to run. You know, he's not running it, you know, with his own money through the kindness of his heart. He's got to work with, um, you know, I think Amazon were big uh, one year. Prime Gaming was huge during one of his events recently. He's got to work with these companies for advertisements to bring in the revenue that allows him to do the show. So it's kind of like a necessary evil almost, which yeah. kind of makes it uh, in some way, you know, uh, you, you know, you can tolerate it a, a bit. I would like maybe to cut down some of it because, like I say, maybe, you know, the celebrity events. Um, oh, who did he have? What's the guy from uh, – I'm going to shoot myself here for not knowing this. What, who's the guy from Jurassic Park? Oh, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff, Jeff yeah, Goldblum, Goldblum, yeah. There was a bit with uh, him in one of his shows, and I was like, that must have cost them to get Jeff Goldblum on the show, and I didn't think it really added anything. I might be misremembering sort of his bit in there. Um, so maybe there's bits that they can cut back, but obviously there's got to be a realisation and an appreciation that you know this guy needs to make money and he needs to fund these shows and that makes those parts a necessary evil, so, so to speak. But Luke, I appreciate you've been a, a little quiet, mate. So yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts in. on all this, man. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Uh, um, no, it's uh, interested listening to that. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's... I, <laughs> It's kind. Of, it, it is sad in a way um, because I think, like everyone, you know, I have really fond memories of many E3 conferences. You know, years gone by. Uh, I God knows how many years I've been watching it and following it. Um, um, but you know, it, it's just times have changed, and you know, E3 already. You know, a number of years ago was kind of a. Uh, this weird anathema to to what it originally started, you know, uh, for, which was to get, you know, essentially a bunch of retailers in a room and say, here are things that we want you to push and, you know, go and pick them up and go and sell them for us. Um, so it, it already long since gone past that. Um, that's, you know, decreasing year on year in terms of, relevance to the modern day because of the prevalence of you know digital sales etc and now you've got a situation where any studio any publisher any hardware holder can can go out there and put on whatever show they want online uh, and have a you know an infinitely bigger audience than anything e3 was ever going to be able to deliver so it just makes no i you know it's just starts to make no sense over the last few years as to why it exists and and stuff like summer games fest 
really has shown that because that's just an entirely digital you know thing um that's quite drawn out over a number of months as you said scott and it's kind of tenuous as as to things that are just kind of latched on to that but um yeah you you know it's it's just e3 is just totally redundant now um which is you know a shame um but i think to be honest the minute the minute Sony left, it started to really legitimise that it's just not, you know, it was a, a dying thing uh, because Sony were the first ones to actually say, you know what, we, we think we can do better outside of this. You know, we think we can we can do our own stuff and, and we don't really need to spend, you know, an inordinate amount of money having a presence there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little sad, uh, about it because as I say that there are a lot of great memories I have from it, you know, watching it over the years. Um, and it's a shame that we'll never get those kind of E3 moments, uh, again, at least in the form that they were in, you know, a big amphitheater and a conference, the crowd reacting to it all. I think that's, that's the thing I'll miss. Uh, but everything else, you know, you, you will just get, but you'll get, I think we'll just get you know strewn about over the course of the year uh which which is a bit frustrating because the one thing Evry was good at was was kind of a day in the diary and you knew big bombs were dropping that week um yeah. which again you won't get now um but i think you know i think some uh, publishers will will stick to that kind of June-ish date, um, I suspect Microsoft will probably stick pretty steadfast to it. They quite like a summer uh, event. You know, Nintendo will probably do a direct in the summer anyway. Sony, I don't think they will. I think they just like doing stuff kind of, seems maybe September-ish now, seems they're kind of yeah. big big time. Um, and then everybody else sprinkled around those. So, uh, yeah, I, I you know... Um, I'd, I'd honestly be surprised if it did actually return next year because yeah. I just, I just, oh, I just, I just uh, yeah. yeah, I just don't know how, um, I think this year will be, uh, whether we'll enjoy it massively or not is a different matter, but I think it will be very successful this year for everyone. And then everyone will kind of look at, you know, the ESA, ESA going into January of next year and go, don't really think we want to do this again so um especially if summer games fest does really well this year as well which it most likely will right which it will i mean it's keely led and and they always do really well in terms of numbers so um yeah i think i think keely's come in and and he is uh the de facto new esa now um yeah i think the um the, the the thing is look i think it really comes down to just uh, Keely's ability to adapt to that new landscape that you've just described, you know, being able to, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be in person anymore because the trade's no longer relevant for, for these types of shows. Um, working with companies on their digital events rather than trying to force them into an in-person. And I think mm. 2020, the lack of a 2021 and a lack of a 2022 show um, really demonstrate that the ESA don't have that ability to to adapt because they had a prime opportune moment in 2020 uh and then 2021 rather than trying to evolve it and grow that digital presence um they just canceled it and same again this year um so it does seem like they're really hell-bent on maintaining this physical in-person element um 
which I think is really going to hinder their ability to actually do it. Because like you say, yeah, next year, is there going to be one? I think that's a question. I know they're saying there is, but they also said there was going to be one this year. Um, and what sort of appetite is there going to be from um, developers and publishers to attend next year if it is in person? You know, if, if publishers aren't interested in doing it, then they don't have a show. They're kind of, you know, at the mercy of the uh, of these developers and publishers attending. And even if the developers and publishers do do the press and, um, you know, the general public want to attend an in-person event, you know, I think I don't think it's probably yeah. too harsh to say, but these um, gaming events aren't often known for their hygiene, for, for maybe a lack of a better way of putting it. You know, <laughs> I've heard loads of stories about people going to things like PAX, E3, and coming home unwell um, due to people spreading other viruses prior, prior to COVID. And that's just going to be exaggerated a bit um, for years now. People are going to be nervous about attending those, those types of events. And if the press and the public aren't interested in going, then why are the developers and publishers going to go but on the flip side of the developers and publishers aren't going to go then why would the general public or press go so their their inability to adapt uh at the beginning of the pandemic i think basically meant the right was on the wall and uh i'm with you look i would really be surprised if there is actually um some sort of event ne next year um yeah but again bit of a shame you know um i don't know if you guys remember but back before like everything was live streamed i used to pay GameSpot around June. You could, GameSpot had like a premium subscription. I can't remember how much it was. It was probably like 15 quid something for the month. Uh, and I used to pay GameSpot because they were like one of the only places to stream the press conferences mm. in like 360p or something like that but you know i was able to i was able to, to to watch these press conferences as a kid and it was kind of one of those things you know when when you were younger it's like you know, it was the dream to go to e3 and play all these new games and meet these these people and sadly that that's kind of reality is lost now i think for, for a lot of i people. know for me in terms of like good memories it's all come from like magazines like a mainly official nintendo magazine because i actually managed to convince my parents to subscribe to it at the time um that's kind of where i got a bulk of my general like well mostly nintendo news obviously but then obviously a smuttering of one-off magazines i'd get here and there which cover other stuff but then i remember going into school and then watching like clips that someone had put onto very early youtube about <laughs> certain things coming out and I, I remember the events as well of um like from the original ds for example i remember seeing clips from like 2003 when um you know reggie fils made like opens up his jacket pocket and pulls out this new nintendo ds concept it was like <gasps> like oh my yeah. god like, <laughs> it looks like a game yeah. boy but it's not a game boy <laughs> or when he when he revealed like the gba or something uh, was uh, yeah. whatever it was and it looked like this big because reggie fils oh that's the, the game boy micro i think yeah is the micro mm -hmm. yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well you know those, those are like fun little things that i think are going to sadly be lost yeah, um, those, that's what's good yeah. about the in-person thing, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, all being digital, you lose that kind of connection, I guess, to it. But as yeah. you say, at the same time, I don't think many people are buying Game Boy Micros or the like anymore. So <laughs> unless they become super powerful, I guess you could fit an Xbox in your pocket that size. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm aware. Sorry that we've been going on a little bit and haven't mentioned any comments yet. I know we've got quite a lot saved here. Um, yeah. you guys fancy reading some out? Yeah, I think let's give a shout out to a couple of guys in, in the chat because there's, there's a few people in there. So we've got Stubbs, um, Darren, uh, who else we've got in there? Mesuko, uh, Sorenex, uh, Boxenberger's in there, um, Flap, 
Um, I know he hasn't been able to join uh, Janice for, for the chat there, but he has managed to sneak in the chat there. So good morning, uh, everyone, for joining. I think I've caught everyone there so far. Apologies if I've if I've missed any, anyone's name there. But yeah, we got a, got a couple of comments. So I'll grab a couple from um, from Stubbs here. Uh, so Stubbs says E3 is irrelevant, uh, and he hopes it doesn't return. It's not needed. It's proven uh, that yeah. it's it's not missing. Um, Stubbs also agreed. Um, around my comments where maybe the Summer Games Fest and some Kiri shows do have a bit too much fluff. Uh, and he also um, agrees with Luke where he says Nintendo and PlayStation prove it's not needed to start with and Jeff Keighley's doing doing a good job. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Any other types of comments? I've got a few other little things saved here. Um, yeah, go for it. I think uh, Soren X saying, yeah, E3 is like Christmas for gamers. I love the announcements. Me too. Yep. <laughs> uh, maybe another fan fest digital event for Xbox, hopefully bigger too. Um, sorry, this is a Soronex again, which I agree. And a third one saying, I miss those blockbuster announcements. There's been some awesome announcements. What's yours? Stuff that came to mind is Metal Gear Solid 5 announcement on the Xbox stage, which was amazing. Oh, that's an interesting one. What's, what's mm. like, if, just very quick gut reaction. What's sort of your favorite E3 um, announcement that, that, that you can remember? Oh, God. I think a more recent one of mine was actually the um, like actually seeing what Breath of the Wild was all about for the first time, because mm. you know, Omega Zelda fan sitting right. Was here, that an E3 box? Uh, they, well, they'd announced it years prior, so it was I think originally announced in 2013. Then they had a yeah. very very brief update in 2015 saying it's going to be released for 2016, yeah. and then in 2016's E3, that's when they had the massive. Um, uh, all of the E3 yeah. was just Zelda. They didn't show anything, yeah. else, and they kind of went yeah. balls to the walls. This is the game. This is the gameplay. And then they had all of the big statues and the themed uh, booths or kiosks, whatever you want to call them. And I remember just seeing this gameplay for the first. Because again, if you've played all the other ones up to that point, you know I enjoy them all. But yes, they are. It's exactly the same formula. It's just respawn story and locations, but. You know, and then they showed this one. It was completely different, in a completely different league. Sorry, and it was yeah for me. It was just that's more recent one I have personally. But uh, now, what were you guys? Look, just one stand up uh, for you, man. Uh, oh, I mean, a few off the top of my head. Um, I still remember Halo Two way yeah. back when, two thousand and three. I think that was Halo Two um, is probably my my favorite. That's that's a big one. Um, that was a big big excitement. I mean, I was only. What thirteen? So I was even more excitable yeah. then. <laughs> uh, so yeah, huge one. Um, more recent uh, E3 of Dreams. That was a big one. Not so much the Shenmue stuff, um, yeah. although I was excited for it for other people. But Final Fantasy VII and Last Guardian in particular. Uh, the God of War reveal, uh, as in the first re-reveal uh, with the orchestra, um, where yeah. they played the main theme. Uh, that I just thought that was incredible, uh, and uh, Metro Prime Four. That was a that was a huge one as oh. well. No, that's a good. Did one they well, show yeah. much for me? Yeah. Did they show anything for me? No, Prime it was just it was just it was just, just, it was just space just and then the four. Yeah, 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 and then uh, kind of everybody's like, "What's going on?" Oh, and, and then, also a low key one was um, the reveal, and I can't remember what stage this was on. Uh, I think it was Sony's. Uh, it was the reveal of Resident Evil Seven. Uh, because it was just so surprising, in because that was the one where they had the nobody knew about it, and then they had the gameplay. It was all first person, and obviously nobody knew Resident Evil was going first person, and uh, it was 
you know, what was nobody knew what it was, and then then right at the end it says, you know, it's Resident Evil Seven. So that's a good one as well. There's so many. There's so many great moments. There is, and I think the the good thing is, look, I think a lot of them we should still have. You know, we're still going to get those great announcements. It's just going to be in a slightly different format. I think for me, Halo Two was a standout. I think the age factor is is a thing as well. Look, obviously, I was a little bit older than you at the time, but um, I was still just a a young teenager, and and um, seeing that gameplay was uh, incredible. Obviously, uh, yeah. it was held together with duct tape. Um, it seems, but yes. uh, it, it was still amazing to see at the time. And actually, um, it was the one and only game show I've ever been to in my life was um, it was called like Game Stars Live or something, and it was held at the Excel Center or something in yeah. London. Oh, Excel, I think at the yeah. time, I think is the Excel now in Birmingham? Is it now moved? No, no. There's there's one. I think there's one in Birmingham, but it's still uh, there in yeah. London. Yeah, so I went to that as a as a kid, and I got to play Halo Two before launch, and it was, was that the uh, that's really funny because I went to that, and oh, that was <laughs> yeah. So I went to that, and I stood for so they recreated, if I remember, for Halo Two, it was a bit like a part of Zanzibar, the map that they recreated mm. that you yeah, because that was in. all you played. That, you all you played was a multiplayer, multiplayer match. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So I queued for three hours to play one map of Zanzibar. Uh, uh, but I didn't regret it at all. My feet no. hurt though, because I don't know why, and I'm sure this is what happened. But they had you queue, and the ground underneath was like pebble dash. It was like pebbles, oh, was it was like rocks. I, yeah, yeah. I can't, and I can't, I, I can't remember that. Yeah, yeah, because it was like a. It was supposed to be like a beachfront, um, like a marine post, basically. Is is what it was. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I remember that, and I remember, I remember being the best in that match as well it was yeah, great if, if whether whether it did or not i do remember coming top of the scoreboard whether, whether yeah, it actually did that, is, yeah. is, is another, is another matter. but yeah that was also like i said it's the one and only game show that i've uh, event obviously it was nothing like e3 but it was it was pretty cool to go and yeah it's very exciting so excited for um ahead of launch um, yeah, and you know, dual wielding Halo for the first time, which was incredible, yeah. and Zanzibar would oh. be one of my favorite maps from from Halo Two. You know, so I'm I'm sure as well. Wasn't that God? Wasn't um wasn't Doom Free coming out around that time as well? And I remember maybe was it around then or, or like a really early look? And I remember they had a booth for it. You could go and look at some gameplay or something like that. But it was 18. I was like, damn. Ah, was it? Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't yeah. recall. I mean, we're talking, yeah, like 2002 <laughs> or something now. It was like pretty, much free, 20 years yeah. ago, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Flap in the chat just mentioned as well. Anyone remember Peter Moore's GTA 4 tattoo? Weird. Yeah, well, Peter Moore got a Halo tattoo as well, um, oh, if okay. I remember correctly. Um, yeah, P- P- I really like Peter Moore. He, he was a pretty... He's a pretty cool guy. He was a he was a really good personality. He was really good on stage as well. Um, yeah, uh, it's it was actually nice seeing him in that. Uh, slightly off topic, but the Xbox documentary that they released not not too long ago, and they had sort yeah. of like previous leaders of Xbox on there. It was really cool just to to see to see Peter Moore on there because I, I, I did actually really like him. Um, I've actually just seen a comment here. I, I, um, that I want to get to as well because we're talking about obviously all these fond memories for good reasons but i also think e3 is remembered a lot for the not so good reasons and there's a comment here from sarnax where he says attack giant enemy crab for massive damage which is still one of my most favorite lines from e3 yeah uh, in the press conference uh obviously the 
um, uh, Kaz Harai and his five hundred ninety nine dollars still gets repeated to to this to this day as, as well. Yeah. Obviously, Don Matrix interview with Keely after E three, where it's like we've got a console for you. It's called an Xbox three sixty. Yeah. You know, there's still there's a lot of um, like goofs. That that I think will be missing because everything's pre-recorded. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, um, I think we'll miss the, the yeah. goose, um, which I think is a massive shame. Yeah, I think it, as well. Just a quick like, if you do have nostalgia for some of these conferences, obviously the vast majority you can just go and watch on YouTube, which is great. Uh, but Digital Foundry also do a rewatch of certain conferences. So they've done uh, the Konami 2010. They did the PlayStation 3 reveal. Uh, and they're really funny and really entertaining, yeah. uh, and I often kind of rewatch them. So yeah, if you it, particularly the Konami one, which is just amazing, it's, it's, just absolutely yeah. amazing, please Easy go and watch them. The watch back of the Konami yeah. one as well. Look, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you've seen that. And, I've uh, seen that one. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hilarious. So, yeah, guys, if yeah. you haven't seen the Konami 2010 conference, yeah. please go and watch it. Um, and it is actually good to watch it with someone like Easy Allies of Digital Foundry because like their reactions are just as funny yeah. as the actual event event itself. So yeah, we're, we're not going to get any of those uh, anymore, which 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 is a, a shame, but I'm sure the developers and publishers um, are looking forward to the fact that they're not going to have the piss taken out of them afterwards um, for a change because obviously, <laughs> yeah, they, they took a lot of heat. Yeah, that's cool. I think we're uh, yeah, really good conversations there. I really enjoyed that. I think I say if I think I saw a comment here from Stubbs as well. I think it sums it up nicely as well. Um, yeah, saying that the general view is that E3 won't be missed by many, but it's interesting. Agree that I remember a time when it wouldn't be like that. Um, mm. I think it would definitely be missed. Um, so I know I know I will miss it, just to kind of comment against that, I guess. But I do agree with the general sentiment that most people, I think, are on the side of, yeah, Summer Games Fest or things like that moving forward will slowly kind of eat up what E3 is, I yeah. guess. And then... Hopefully, I'd like to think it. You know, maybe it will, you know, rise like a phoenix and burn bright once again. But I kind of don't see that happening unless they yeah. severely change their format into basically a summer games fest competitor rather than yeah. But you know, that's already there, so they can't really exactly do that, can they? <laughs> I think the the best we can hope for is that Keeley's able to condense the summer game fest into a short period of time. It's not going to be a four day thing. It's never going to be a four day thing ever again, because I think one of the benefits that is maybe worth highlighting is you've heard stories from developers, and the Halo Two one's a really good example, mm. where basically they're crunching just to get a demo ready for E three because it's got a date. You've got to have this ready yeah. for this time. You've got to have something playable. You've got to have a chunk of gameplay ready. Um, and that takes resource away from just developing the game. So um, I think uh, I think Anthem's actually a great example of that, isn't it? Because I remember seeing dev interviews a while, uh, not too long ago, but um, a while back about how the team basically crunched to the nines to show off this impressive looking demo for Anthem. But then obviously, as we all are well aware, I've not even played the game, but I've seen from just countless articles that you know the game's completely tanked and it was yeah. nothing like what it was meant to be to the point where what was it in six months they ea basically just canned all future updates and basically yeah. just killed the game off <laughs> yeah that, that's right so, and they even announced anthem 2.0 and then canned that as well um yeah I remember so that, yeah. yeah and i think that is going to be a benefit to us you know and i think this is maybe something we need to you know 
appreciate a bit as well is you know the developers having more control over when they show off their games will hopefully mean when they show them off we have a better showing of the game you know um maybe halo doesn't look like halo if they just showed it when it was ready uh halo infinite's initial reveal sorry um and they don't have to use that resource that they would typically spend getting a playable demo ready for a game for a show floor and they can actually put that resource into the game and developing the game and getting it ready for launch when mm. wh- whenever whenever that may whenever that may be so th- there are going to be some benefits um but I th- like i say yeah i think um if kitty can condense it to even just a month where we get you know a majority of the stuff in yeah. in there um that would be good because then that's going to be like right this is the month where all the big stuff's going to happen at least in the summer and then we're still going to have the game awards which is going to be kind of like the big one day event I think at some point mm. in the year, at, at, at the end of the year, so there's still going to be lots to lots to look forward to. Um, but yeah, I think E3 too late to the party. Jeff Keighley's done. So if they want to go for yeah. that thing, they've they've already lost, unfortunately. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if or how they pivot or even how they try if they do. Yeah, no, sure thing. Um, I think I'm going to move on to the next topic now, actually, because we've got a few other things we want to talk about before we uh, plan on clocking off at 11. But thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for the chat as well. I see you are very active here and giving us some of your comments, and uh, which we've uh, read out as well. So no, thank you all very much for being here. And uh, I'm now going to move on to talking about some news which came out earlier this week or a couple of days ago about how there are four U.S. senators who are deeply concerned about the uh, Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And, you know, should we be alarmed? Should we be worried? And what does this even mean? Um, I'll admit I am not completely in the loop with how far this goes in. But I think if you're happy to, Luke, I'm going to throw this to you as our resident legal expert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if that's a, a good thing to say. I'd like to think it is. Um, so, yeah, what is... Uh, have you seen this news for, uh, for a start, I guess? Um, and sh- should we as gamers be concerned? Could this fall through? Or is this one of those things where, you know, where it's actually nothing to worry about? Because I had seen some comments and things online, again, from self-proclaimed lawyers of the internet saying about how there's nothing to worry about because it's all just for um, propaganda, not propaganda, but... Um, to push their political campaigns and all that kind of stuff. And if they really didn't want to do it or they were really unhappy, then it may have to go to court or which they may well lose and blah, blah, blah. But from someone who's actually more in the know than, you know, self-proclaimed yeah. in- internet peoples. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Should we be worried? Um, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think, um, if, if you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think if you, if you want the, the merger to go through and that's, that's how you want it to go. Then I don't. I don't think people need to be particularly worried. I think. Um, I think people get in their, you know, twisted up in their pants a bit about this uh, a lot, and and it's been a bit bizarre to, you know, canvas the internet with people really, you know, rooting for Microsoft on this. So you, you know, I just find that quite weird i think you can absolutely want the merger to happen because it will benefit you as a gamer i you know no issues whatsoever with that and it's exciting from that perspective but i you know to want microsoft to complete you know really desperately want them to complete a, an acquisition of a 70 billion dollar company is quite weird and then to 
to kind of batter against senators um, who are raising, I think, legitimate concerns. And I, I say that in a particular sense because I'll address one point of it. Um, is is quite weird in of itself. So I think the problem with what they said was that people just really looked at the headlines of this and just said, well, you know, that's nonsense because Microsoft is such a fantastic place to work. And uh, it's true that, uh, you know, it seems to be true that Microsoft have become a, a much better place to work over the years. Um, they still have problems, of course they do, because they're a massive, massive company. You know, they're a massive conglomerate of companies spanning the entire world. So to think that, you know, well, Activision will just suddenly magically get better because they join Microsoft, uh, who are, you know, whose workplace culture is seemingly a lot better than Activision's is, is a bit of a fallacy because it doesn't work like that because, mm. you know, it's going to, it's still going to be a separate organization. And what the senators were saying was that, look, you know, Activision Blizzard workers have had years of, you know, discrimination and fair labor practices, sexual misconduct issues, and they've, try to constantly raise these over the years particularly in the <clears throat> in the you know recent months um and their concerns essentially the senators were just that if the acquisition happens people might just forget about it in the sense of they won't you know nobody's going to start pushing microsoft to make sure that these workers are you know, listened to and heard and that there are actual cultural changes within Activision Blizzard. It's not that they think that, you know, that <laughs> the workers are going from one terrible workplace culture to an even worse workplace culture when they join Microsoft. That's not what they said, but it's the thing that people seem to run with online because they just didn't read the article and they just heard, you know, a, or just read a tweet from Warren. Um, so... You know, and and the specifically, they said that look, they should just the the senators said that the FTC just need to really carefully review the ways in which you know Activision Blizzard have failed to protect their workers, and if the merger itself is going to exacerbate that issue, right? So that's that's all that they said, and that's all that that letter essentially says. Uh, that the, these four senators wrote and sent to the, the chair of the FTC. Um, so, you know, it's it, it, it's it is somewhat political posturing. Of course it is, because yeah. they want to be seen to do stuff. They have different bits of legislation. Um, I've not looked into this fully, but I think Warren maybe has proposed a new form of competition legislation in the US, for example. Um, uh, and th there is that angle to it. Of course there is. There's also, I'm sure, a legitimate angle where they genuinely do, you know, want workers like this to be heard. Um, but no one's saying in this argument that, well, Microsoft are a shit place to work and they're horrible, you know, and their culture's bad. Nobody said that at all. Um, people are just concerned that, you know, mega mergers like this, the people at the bottom, quote unquote, you know, you, your standard run the will worker who has suffered from, you know, discrimination or, or malpractice or any of these different things, it, it's just going to be swept under the, under the rug and nothing's going to happen to change that situation. And I don't think that is the case. I think what Microsoft have said as, as kind of, or what Spencer has said as, as um, effectively as he can, 
is is to say that look you know we, we're aware of all of these things um and we're going to try and change that right uh, and if he hasn't publicly said that then i'm sure that's something they would like to do um but they, their hands are tied at the moment because they can't just say exactly what they want to do you know we're going to do x y and z you know we don't we don't even know and this is you know potentially a bad thing but we don't know if there are any workers that are going to leave as a result of the merger and by leave i mean they're going to be you know kicked out so which can happen you know um as well so it's, it's a very sensitive area and a very sensitive subject i don't think it's going to impact the merger itself i.e the success of it um because the ftc won't be reviewing i'm sure they will have this in their mind but actually they're reviewing it from a more of a a market dimension in, in other words you know, is is the merger going to impede competition in the market? Is it bad for consumers? They're not looking at it from a uh, employee perspective, um, which you know I think many would argue that they should do that as well. Um, and I think this letter is really just to remind the FTC that there are people involved in this merger. There are thousands and thousands of workers, um, and they shouldn't be forgot about when the FTC are assessing this, you know, the FTC needs to have in their mind that um, this is going to impact on a lot of people and consider the effects of the merger itself. So um, that that's that's it, really. Uh, I think it's been weirdly blown out. And, yeah, there have been a lot of people online, uh, frustratingly, that just say, oh, well, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. It makes no difference, um, X, Y, and Z, you know, with, with no background, no knowledge of any of this stuff. Um, it's it's very frustrating, and the most frustrating thing is this weird this weird routing for a, for an acquisition, you know, for this merger to go through. You know, you have no personal stake in this. All this means at the end of it is that you'll get some games on Game Pass. That's it, basically. Like that's that's what it means. Like you don't you don't console need wars. to have yeah exactly console wars. You don't need to have a big stake in this. You know, I think you can want this to go through because as a gamer, you're happy about it, but you don't need to weed yourself into arguments about oh will the ftc listen to you know senator warren on on the complaints like it's just nonsense just just go and play some games it's yeah. very frustrating yeah um so yeah that's all i've got to say about it really i think pox we can probably just end the show there haven't we? i don't think there's anything we i mean can. i can't answer that at all so i think you've covered no. it all i know stubbs has said that he likes hearing uh luke's comments on the subjects as you know the area very well which is a, you definitely sound like you know what you're talking about. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke's absolutely the go, the go to for, for, for these sorts of things. I mean, if I can maybe add something and I'm in complete agreement with, with, with you, Luke, when, when you say that, um, it's, I, I, through no background and obviously having no, um, view of these types of deals obviously i'm not in that line of work um it does appear that the concerns raised are largely around the people as you say and, and i guess from my position the outside looking in um i kind of don't personally think it'll impact the the potential of the deal going through i think it is still at risk because it's a 70 million sorry 70 billion dollar acquisition so of course it's going to be scrutinized heavily by whoever decides to to, to review and of course there's going to be a lot of a lot of interest in it and um, it will be weird if a 70 billion dollar acquisition didn't have an awful lot of scrutiny um, I think one element that I've seen as well that I don't think you touched on, Luke, which I think is perfectly valid for these politicians to raise, though, is the issue of Bobby Kotick himself. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is, this is um, 
a guy who has been at the top of this company throughout those years um, of um, sexual misconduct issues, um, all the issues that have been well publicized about Activision Blizzard. Uh, this is the guy that was that's been at the top. Uh, and he's led this company through this period and he's effectively done jack shit about it until it became public more, more recently. Um, and he's going to profit heavily from, from this deal. Yeah. Um, rumored to be, what is it, over $200 million or $250 million personally he, he's likely to receive from, from this acquisition. Yeah. So I understand and I agree with any concerns that people have that somebody who can allow this type of culture to develop and fester within a company is going to profit so much from, from this acquisition. Yeah, essentially. I mean, they've effectively got away with it already. It was just this past yeah. week when the, one of the lawsuits was settled for $18 million, um, which is effectively pocket change for a company the size of, Activision Blizzard and certainly Microsoft when when they acquire them. Obviously, Microsoft aren't involved at this stage. We, we should be absolutely clear. Um, and that doesn't feel right, does it? It doesn't feel right that somebody's going to profit so much um, from this acquisition when he's the one that's allowed that culture to, to, to develop. But I think the issue is, is what can be done about that? He, he owns yeah. the shares of Activision Blizzard uh, he's either going to get a significant payout through shareholder dividends uh, through his salary, which I know he's reduced to the minimum base salary um, not not too not too long ago. Um, even if Microsoft doesn't come and purchase them, if Tencent comes purchase them, or um, even if they don't get acquired, he's still going to profit significantly because he's a yeah. significant shareholder at an extremely large company. So I unfortunately don't know how. That can be any any different, you know. What 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 changes? You get to pay out from Microsoft if the deal doesn't go through. You get to pay out through shareholder dividends uh, or through whoever purchased them in 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 the future. Um, I don't see how there's a way where this situation resolves itself in either direction, and we're satisfied with the outcome from Bobby Kotick's personal standing because is, it, is this where the politicians regardless. can come into this though? Is that I mean, I imagine maybe Luke's. Uh, can answer this perhaps i don't know or whatever yourself scott mm. as well but you know if if politicians are getting involved and they go hold on a minute we've just seen all these filings and then and we've also, on top of that we've also got the um the official california uh lawsuits going on the state of california that are directly is it suing that's not suing i don't know what the word for is uh investigated um activision blizzard for it i mean given these damning reports i mean not to say that will it stop the acquisition but more will this put kotick in a bad stead when it comes to the acquisition happening to the point where he won't profit from it, or can they stop him from profiting off of bad practices and culture, which he's himself developed or. Is that, no, is that possible? No, no. no. I, I mean, he, yeah, he owns the stock If the stock gets yeah. sold. I guess the, then, the, from my untrained perspective, I assume he profits from it. And um, I, just, I just wonder from the angle of, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, of course, but it's just more of a, you know, as a, as a corporation that you're running, you are still held surely to some degree against your state laws. At least I know American employment law is far different from most of the world, but um, I would have thought that maybe they could hold him against some state laws about you've not done this or that to, to ensure a safe working environment or X, Y, Z. But like, does the fact that he owns a majority share and basically owns the business matter in that case? Or 
Uh, well, I mean, in terms of, uh, and I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know uh, state or federal laws in in the US really, uh, apart from very uh, specific f- federal stuff. So, um, but I mean, he there's there's nothing to prevent you know in some of these cases that are coming down the line from him to be you know joined as you know. Uh, a defendant in a civil case or something like that and and having some civil liability attached to him you know in terms of uh, uh, a fine or something like that so there's there's nothing that prevents any of that and that that may happen it may not um but in terms of him directly profiting from this acquisition there's nothing really that will will intervene on that they're two they're two separate processes the the acquisition is a contractual private you know quote unquote private thing um and no matter what happens in the civil side of things whether cotics you know find or or stuff you know it's not really going to impact on what's going on over here in the in the Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger so um so it, it, no matter what he's going to get his golden parachute payment now obviously maybe there's something that happens on the silver side that means that you know he has to you know pay some money out which kind of i suppose indirectly affects his his uh his um his golden parachute etc but he's i mean it's it's never going to be the size of his golden parachute is it you know it's going to be yeah. at most a couple of million dollars you would think if he's if he, if he, any wrongdoing attaches him to, at all from a civil perspective, uh, of you know in any of these this California stuff, so yeah, uh, unfortunately, look, it's just it's just the way of life, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, and and it's a very right. legitimate concern. Like it's a very, I think Bernie Sanders was talking about it. Like he was, he, you know, he's saying it, it's just really unacceptable that you know he can kind of come out of it smelling like roses like he he has and and whilst i think everybody agrees with that nothing you can really do about it so um you know just i think it's one of those people just have to accept that and hope that he gets his comeuppance elsewhere yeah Yeah, i think they they have been maybe if there's one way to look at it and this is a, a, a very loose way of looking at it i guess is the investigation is at Activision Blizzard directly. I don't think Bobby Kotick is personally under investigation through any of these. I don't Obviously, think so. he might no. end up being um, a more significant part of the investigation. He obviously has been quoted as doing some uh, alleged, shall I say, at this stage uh, to have done some pretty horrific things. I believe he was particularly uh, one particular moment that, uh, if I remember, that stood up from the lawsuit was uh, didn't he threaten to apparently kill somebody? Um, I believe that was Bobby Kotick, um, like yeah. a secretary or something oh, yeah. like that. Um, obviously, those are sort of um, allegations at, at, at this stage. Um, so uh, as Luke says, that might turn into something civil. That might turn into maybe him having to pay out. But ultimately, um, that's not going to likely impact the actual um, potential of the deal going, going through. Um, but his personal fortune and the personal fortune, I guess, of those all the shareholders appear to have been impacted. Obviously, the share price of Activision Blizzard dropped significantly following the investigation and following the um, the allegations of sexual misconduct um, to the point where that's probably the only reason why the deal is actually gone through um, because um, 
what was the purchase price? 70 billion. And I think the share price is something like, uh, or the market cap or something was like 50, 60, something like that at the, at, at the time. Um, but the market cap had been as high as 100 billion um, prior to the allegations, which would have obviously, um, if Microsoft or anyone wanted to purchase Activision Blizzard at that point, would have maybe cost them double what it actually was, which would have obviously netted Bobby Kotick and the other shareholders a, a, a even larger golden parachute. Um, so it has impacted them in some ways, but you know what we're still talking about two hundred and fifty million dollars that that is going to get. So there has been some impact, but obviously in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 not an awful lot. Which, yeah, it's like I say, it's just just a a massive shame. Unfortunately, that someone's going to profit from it, yeah. and I guess all we can hope is is if the deal goes through, and I still think it is absolutely enough at this point, is the benefit to the employees of Activision Blizzard will be that they'll have a better working environment and the stories of allegation of and, and abuse will hopefully disappear. But it should be, we, we should probably mention the Undead Labs. So I think their uh, story that mm -hmm. came out this week, um, I think these stories are very um, loosely linked um, because Undead Labs was obviously acquired by Microsoft back in 2017, 2018, whenever it was now. Um, and there have been stories of similar, um, I guess, less severe allegations, but similar allegations um, from, from that studio. Um, and that kind of shows that Microsoft maybe haven't closely manage that studio as much as maybe they needed to and, and you know you could t talk about fit perfect dark being maybe another example maybe 343 being another example where they're very hands-off but is that is that a sign of that they're just going to let activision blizzard continue as they are as they have been and they're not going to have um too much in uh what's what's the what's the phrase they're not going to be involved too much in the day to day they're just going to let them continue as they have been like maybe they have done with undead labs and if that's the case will the culture change at activision blizzard obviously the hope is that it would but um you know track record recently doesn't doesn't appear great for microsoft it seems i'd like to think that you know with those things you said that hopefully microsoft decided i can rise a bit more to say that you know i think there's a limit to how hands-off you can be i mean hands-off in mm -hmm. that you're not controlling how they're running their development schedules or things like that necessarily but I think, yeah, they should probably be more hands-on to the point of embedding, as, as Luke mentioned as well, that apparently the culture there is like really good in Microsoft now for the most part and all that kind of, you know, blah, 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 blah. But um, if it is so great, then be a bit more hands-on in that you try to imbue that positive working culture into your, you know, into these subsidiaries, right? That seems to make sense to me. I, mean, I appreciate you're going from a, an IT company to a game dev company, which of course have different, ways of working um mainly because you know because it's what being a creative field etc but um i don't see why that should stop microsoft being able to embed their more like a more positive work culture into yeah. these other businesses that that's the hope but i think that is going back yeah. to luke's point that's exactly the concern that these people have is that, sure that yeah. you know the microsoft need to work with these employees and create a better um, working environment for them. And if the acquisition goes through, there can't be a situation where kind of all the stuff that's gone on is just forgotten about. Um, and those allegations kind of just get swept under the rug. It's right, right, Bobby Kotick's gone now, Microsoft won them, so we can forget about all that. That can't be the case. No, um, of course. 
Um, and like say the Undead Labs story kind of raises some concerns about you know Microsoft's ability to actually create a better culture, especially considering they've had these issues on their labs, which is tiny in comparison to Activision Blizzard, how they're going to be able to do that for such a, you know, when they acquire such a, such a large company. Um, we'll just have to, just have to wait and see, I guess. Um, we'll see whenever we find out, hopefully it won't be, it won't be too long um, because these sort of comments and stories are going to continue and continue and continue until, until the deals approved or, or whatever. Yeah, no, of course. So, hope as you say, long story short, I guess fingers crossed that it does improve in the in the future. But only the future will tell, unfortunately, for uh, for them and for us. I guess outside looking in, um, I'm aware we've only got two minutes left. Thank you for tuning in uh, this morning. I'll do another quick roll call as well. So, thank you, uh, Stubbs Gaming, Gaz, uh, Darren's here. Yeah, Soren X, Flaps tuned in. Uh, I know Boxerberg was here earlier as well. And World Champ 5225 and Mexico as well. Thank you all very much for joining us this morning. Hope you've uh, had your teas or coffees in hand or your, your slices of toast or whatever else. Um, I, I suppose I'm just to close, I still got yours. I finished I'm all out. I'm all out. I've oh, even put it in my in my Dobby's garden center. Uh, I know that's back <laughs> to front. Um, travel mug to keep it warm, but I'm all out. How about you, Luke? Did you, uh, was you set up with a coffee or did you already have one before the show? Oh, I had a, had a had a quick one before the show just to get me going. <laughs> I'll have another one now though yeah. to enjoy it. I think just a just a quick one before we do close out. I guess um, is Microsoft has rumored it is rumored sorry to be working on a family plan for Xbox Game Pass. Um, and Ooh. for me, I, re- I immediately thought that if this is a thing, I hope they run it kind of like what the. Nintendo Switch Online family plan does, whereby you haven't all got to be in the same household. You just have your accounts linked to, say, the central bill payer, effectively. And then I'm hoping that rather than me paying potentially $10.99 on my own, I can, you know, join in with a number of other people and hopefully maybe get it for a lot cheaper a month. Um, so that's the kind of thing I thought was quite cool. But how about you guys? Do you think if this is true and it does come to, come to pass, is this the kind of thing you think you could benefit from? Or, or is it more of a you don't have many other people in your circle or things like that which may enjoy it? Uh, do either of you guys game share at the moment with anyone? I don't know. Luke, do you game share? Mm, but no, I don't. I don't. No. So the, that, the way that I'm looking at the moment, I think probably worth mentioning, Pucks, this was broken by Jez Corden, Windows Central, uh, who, who announced it. Um, he had an article. And I think from what he wrote, the instance will be for up to five people. Uh, and it will work similarly to Nintendo Switch Online, where you won't have to have everyone in the in the same in the same household, which is obviously good. And it actually um reminds me of back at the Xbox One uh launch that was kind of part of it where you'd have xbox part uh, families and if i remember back at the time it was kind of up to 10 that was kind of their pitch for this drm uh world that they were trying to or always online world that they, they had envisaged back back then um the so i do game share which effectively means that i share my game pass subscription with a friend so we okay. essentially get one subscription two subscriptions for the price of one um, and if this is for five, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for those who do game share, like, like myself. Uh, if it works out cheaper to have five people on um, one family plan than it does having four to five people sharing two or three subscriptions, then yeah, I'd, I'd be absolutely up for it. And I know, I don't know if BMG is actually in the chat, but he said he had five 
Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions in his house. Five. Yeah, I, I saw that one. as well. That's mad. Yeah, which is which is obviously so people like um, him and obviously people who um, who have bigger circles, I guess, are definitely going to benefit from this. And I think it's a long time overdue, especially considering Nintendo do it, PlayStation um, do it. If you, uh, I know you guys talked about the. Uh, the Spartacus stuff um, last week, um, but they've got a sorry, they don't have a family plan, but they've got an online plan with uh, sorry, an online and annual plan. Apologies, mm-hmm. um, which obviously offers discounts, which is something that like Game Pass mm-hmm. doesn't have. It doesn't have family plans at the moment. It doesn't have online uh, again, online annual apologies, uh, annual <laughs> discounts uh, at the moment. So I think this is a long time uh, coming, and it'll just be interesting what the pricing works works out as, and hopefully. Um, you know, a lot of people will benefit. A lot of people will benefit from it. How about yourself, Luke? Have you uh, got a circle of people around you? You think you could benefit from such a thing if one comes to pass, or are you just happy paying for yourself? Or yeah, what do you think? yeah. Uh, um, I, I think um, there are potentially uh, friends that I have who do have Game Pass. Who I think it would be beneficial uh, if if we all could get in on it. Uh, I think that would be helpful to them in particular. Um, and so if I if, if I could do that, uh, I would. Um, uh, other than that, at the moment, I just have my own subscription. So uh, I think it's a, it's a great, uh, you know, thing. And hopefully they bring it in as soon as possible because I think it will benefit a lot of people. But at the moment, I don't have, you know, too much use for it personally. Uh, but, you know. Uh, I'd, I'd always have a look at it and see if I could get others in on the act. I think it's, it, you know, it's stuff like this, whether it's Disney Plus or Netflix or any of these where you can kind of share the love, so to speak, they're always really helpful, uh, particularly in a world where subscription services are just like ubiquitous and everybody has tons of them. You know, yeah. if, if, if you can help other people, um, you know, get access to these without having to pay some of the ridiculous amounts, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, especially in yeah, a world where everything's so bloody expensive. These days, you know, yep. everything's going up. Yep. Being able to share the to share the cost <laughs> will be uh, will be beneficial. Like I say, even just from like a competition perspective, it's something that their competitors allow in some form in terms of just discounts generally in one way or another that Microsoft doesn't. So, yeah, I've uh, just seen in chat as well. Stubbs says that he game shares with his son uh, in Jumpy Line seventy three. Welcome to the chat, mate. Um, I don't think we've seen seen your name before. Apologies if you, if you have been. No, he just say he saves it would save him a lot of money as he pays for four individual Game Pass subs. Uh, like I say, BMG, wow. um, I think Stubbs mentioned there, yeah, BMG's got five. So people, a lot of people are really going to benefit from this. It's going to help them save money, which is which is great. Now, that's good news, and I think with that, we're kind of coming up to the end of our of, the, uh, of our hour-long show. So, thank you all very much for joining us, chat, and to both you, Scott and Luke, as well. I hope you've uh, enjoyed our coffee morning chat. I know it's a a bit, you know, off-key, casual, on cams as well, which I think is a nice thing. Um, but let us know what you think. Uh, but before I do close off officially, um, I would just like to add that thank you to those who have provided us with some uh, with some feedback. Actually, we have taken it on board. We have taken it pretty seriously, and. Uh, yeah, we've talked about it behind the scenes and we'll continue to have a think and we want to improve the channel and the community experience for all of you guys. So thank you for your feedback. And if anyone else has any other comments, please feel free to either DM DM one of us online or if you or put it on if you're if you're on our Discord, sorry, we have a a podcast suggestions uh channel on there as well where you can write in text. But equally, if you think the Discord could be improved, we also have a server um server uh suggestions tab as well so if you anything you think we could uh 
anything you believe we could do better or any suggestions you may have for things you'd like us to cover on future shows or whatever else, um, feel free to let us know either personally or on those, on those channels. Um, but outside of that as well, again, just before I do close off, um, I know there has been some comments about, hey, it'll be quite cool for us to maybe do some streaming now and again. Um, I know Scott has done some through Twitch. Um, so by all means, check that out whenever he goes live. Um, I've also behind the scenes, just on my own, kind of just been practicing it and trying to get a setup together just to kind of maybe do some on, not necessarily on my own, but just to do some game streaming in general. If maybe there's a week when we can't do a show, maybe one of us could just do some streaming, uh, game streaming instead. So if that's the kind of thing you guys think you'd like to see from any of us at any kind of point in time, please let us know what you think and we'll uh, and, and we'll work on it. But apart from that, thank you very much for watching. And I hope it's Scott and Luke, you've, you've enjoyed today as well. Of course, mate, as always. Absolutely. Cool. And if there's nothing else then, guys, uh, I'll let you get on with your Sundays and hope you have a, have a fantastic day. And we'll see you again later in the week. <laughs> take so, care, uh, take everyone. care, everybody. Cheers. Mm -hmm.